Hey everyone, welcome to A Mess Nonetheless. I am Rachel. And I'm Melissa. And we are sisters. And just quick, if you guys have not had a chance to like us or follow us or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we would absolutely love if you would do that. And please share us with your friends and family. That would mean the world to us. So, yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> yeah. And if you're on YouTube, you can already see that we have mm-hmm. a guest with us, Heather Creekmore. Hello. Thank you for being with us. Hey, good to be with you guys. <laughs> so, Heather, I'm super excited about this episode because um, we're going to be talking about like food and body image and all that, which have been like big ones when we've talked about that in the past. People have really mm-hmm. wanted more of that and appreciated those. I think it's just such a big deal in the lives of women. So I'm very excited about that. Can you just tell us who you are, where you live, what you do, you know, your family, things like that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm Heather Creekmore. I live in Austin, Texas. I'm not a native Texan, but I've been claiming Texas as home for goodness gracious, I think 15 years now. <laughs> so yeah, that's a long time. I guess I guess I'm getting used to it. Um, no, I'm, I'm originally from the East Coast. And, oh, that's a big um, difference. That's a big difference. Yes, a big difference. I was about I, to I call you a slow learner for taking 15 years to get used to it, but that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I couldn't wear big earrings for like the first like eight, nine years I lived here. Now my ears are suddenly like getting acclimated. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> it was it was a real, real struggle at the beginning. That's funny. But um, I, I write books and I speak to women. I've got a podcast as well called Compared to Who, but I talk about body image and comparison issues Mm -hmm. uh, to Christian women. And I've been doing that for goodness gracious, I guess almost 10 years now. I am a mom of four, ages 12, 14, 15, and almost 17. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, my husband was a Marine fighter pilot, so military wow. wife, mm-hmm. and then was called into the ministry, and now he's a pastor. So. Oh, that's Very so cool. cool. I didn't know that yeah. part. Not like there's a lot I don't know about you, but. <laughs> <laughs> that one little snippet stuck out. <laughs> no, exactly. So um, the way that we got connected with Heather was, um, so I always do devotionals on Version Bible app. If you guys are not using Version Bible app, you absolutely need to. I love it. There's just endless devotionals, and sometimes I just take some time, like, look through them, save them. And then when I'm like, oh, I need a new one, like I just go and grab one. And I did Heather's um, for the first time, maybe like six months ago. And then I just kept doing it. It's like 10 days. Honest to goodness, I think it is the best devotional I have ever read. And I have read a lot of good devotionals. So it's like such a high praise. And it's because it is so good and filled with truth and God's word. And it's talking about something that we struggle so much with and that I have shared how much I have struggled with in my own life with food and body image. And you just bring it right back to what does the scripture say and what is truth. And so I just love it. I highly recommend it. It is called Compared to Who? So through that, I was like, wait, now she's got a book and oh, she's got a podcast. And I've been listening to her podcast and I love it. And I'm, I'm like, Everybody needs to do this devotional. I'm sure everybody needs to read the book. I have not read it. But do you have an audio version of it? I don't. Okay. I was going to say, if you do, I for sure will. But I, I really struggle yeah. to read books these days. And so I listen. <laughs> um, but that's great because the podcast is so juicy and beneficial. So I was like, Melissa, if we can get this woman on, we have got to have her on our podcast. <laughs> so I'm really honored that you're here and excited about what we're going to talk about. Um, So today, you know, you do a lot of the body image stuff, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about the relationship with food. 
And so I would love if you would just tell us kind of briefly your relationship with food and health um, as concise as you can be so we can get to the good stuff. But but it's important, yeah. like your relationship with it and your history. Yeah. So I remember thinking in the third grade that I had big legs. And so by middle school, I was dieting with my mom. Mm-hmm. By high school, I was, uh, I'm type A overachiever all the way. So by high school, I was like dieting. Like I can just not eat. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And I can make it all day. Um, but then I would come home from school and be ravenous right. and eat everything in sight. Mm-hmm. So my parents never really noticed anything because all they saw was me eating right. <laughs> a lot, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I got to college and kind of continued this cycle where I would go, I'd be at school and I'd eat all the things, but then I would go home and I would fast mm-hmm. four days at a time to try to kind of balance yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Lost my period by my sophomore year of college for about nine months, which now I understand was related mm-hmm. to um, to my disordered eating. And then after college, I became a fitness instructor, which I thought was like the miracle cure because that allowed me to eat more mm-hmm. and still maintain the same size or actually trying to get smaller all the time was was my constant goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but my, my disordered relationship with food continued, I would say really till just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So I wrote my body image book back in, um, in 2015 is when I wrote it. It was published in 2017 and God had to change my body image before he could touch my food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say I was still a pretty disordered eater mm-hmm. until, uh, maybe even four or five years ago, I was still whatever, the cultural influences told mm-hmm. me was the right way to eat, yeah. the right way to be thin, the right way to be healthy. Like that's what I was doing yeah. until just the last four or five years when after, since God has healed my body image, he's also been working on me mm-hmm. around the food, trying to really have a more biblical perspective mm-hmm. on how to eat and what to eat. And not that I believe scripture is like super specific right, right. about that, <laughs> but just, but just trying to think about it more biblically, yeah. like what the purpose of nourishment mm-hmm. is yes. and how he made my body. And, and kind of challenging some of the things that I had accepted from culture yeah. for, for years and years, yeah. decades and decades, really. Yes. Yeah. So can I actually ask you a question? Because I feel like yeah. I would be wondering this as a listener, and I am wondering as I'm listening to you now. <laughs> <laughs> and coincidentally, here I am wondering. <laughs> Just so happened. How, how old are you? How old am yeah. I? Oh, you're never supposed to ask me I know. That's that. why I'm asking you publicly. Everyone <laughs> here. <laughs> I... I am, gasp, I am 49 years old. Okay. I turned 50 this year. That is so, so crazy think, to me. I would have guessed yeah. like 42, which I'm 40. Melissa's 45. So yeah. I, yeah. Wow. So I was like, if anyone's looking at you, they're thinking you look very young, but I'm hearing about your the ages of your kids. So I'm thinking, okay, you're probably in your 40s. But anyways, I just think it's really good for people to know that as a believer, as someone who loves Jesus, that you have struggled. I mean, Rachel's been very honest with her struggle. Like mm-hmm. that it can that just because you're in your mid forties, when you start realizing I want to be healthier with my relationship mm-hmm. to food and and my body, that it's not too late. I just think that's right. really, really important, which yeah. is why yeah. I did not expect you to say almost fifty, yeah. but I <laughs> like the answer even better. <laughs> I work I work with women who are seventy. No. Yeah. Wow. And that's like most, most of the clients, because I, I have a coaching business where I help women with body image and and to some level with food. I normally end up sending my mm. disordered eating or eating yeah. disordered people out to dietitians. Right, but right. but I work 
most of the women I work with are, you know, over 40 mm, <laughs> and, and beyond yeah. discovering, like, I've been dieting for 60 years. Right. Like, I need to Which makes me this. sad, uh-huh. but it's also beautiful that it's never too late right. to get right. a hold right. of whatever's Absolutely. holding on to us. Okay. Right. So we can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I shared um, on one of our episodes last season that I had seen this just beautifully adorable, like 70-year-old woman, just super fit, you know, out out with her friends for her birthday and they brought a cake and they're singing and she blew it. And then everyone's like, you don't want any? And she's like, I haven't eaten dessert in 30 years. And I was like, ooh. And I was really struggling with restriction and disordered eating and I was really thin at the time. And so I just wanted to stay really thin. And then every little pound felt like, you know, awful. And I just remember looking at that and being like, that's not healthy. And no offense to that woman, but I was like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be 70 and be like, I have denied myself dessert for 30 years. Like that. And so that was kind of a huge eye opener for me. Like uh, people still struggle with this well into their later years and I don't want to. And it doesn't just automatically go away as we get older. No. (laughs) Right. And well, I don't know if you want me to rock your world now, but (laughs) C.S. Lewis actually calls that gluttony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the screw tape letters, he refers to that as the gluttony of delicacy. Mm-hmm. To avoid right? eating Where, dessert? Oh, I couldn't possibly. Yeah. Oh, my you know, He talks rough. about it in the context of having, you know, high tea, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I couldn't possibly have this or have that. But but you're putting your relationship with food mm-hmm. above yeah. your relationship with people, mm-hmm. right? You're not loving them well mm-hmm. to not, I mean, you know, we break bread together. Mm-hmm. That's a Christian mm-hmm. community thing. Right. And if you're unwilling to break bread yeah. because break a carrot <laughs> of your food rules right like i brought my oh, hickama what, what's most important yeah right? yeah so, yeah i just throwing that out there no that actually i didn't know he said that but i remember when god made it clear to me that hating the way i looked was just as vain as loving how i looked and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that kind of goes in my brain together so that doesn't surprise yeah. me yeah Okay. So what's the narrative that like we've been fed as a society regarding our body and food? Like what, what have we heard our whole lives? Like, especially women, you know, in their forties, thirties, like we grew up in like diet culture fifties. So what is it that you would say we've heard we've grown up with? Right. Well, I think, I think one of the fundamental things we've heard is that we are completely responsible for our health and, and that our health is evidenced in the way we look. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yep. So if you are a person with a thin body, you are automatically healthier mm-hmm. <laughs> than any person with any kind of larger body. Right. Now, I know personally from my own story that it was when I was at my fitness, teaching two fitness classes a day, eating, you know, barely anything, not touching the carbs, mm-hmm. not touching the dairy, all those things. That's when I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder mm-hmm. and thyroid issues mm-hmm. and adrenal issues and all of those things. So now I don't weigh what I used to weigh, mm-hmm. but my blood work looks a whole lot better. Yeah. So I would argue that I'm healthier yeah. now, but I think our cultural narrative mm-hmm is that you have you look this way and you are healthier yeah. and if you don't look this way then shame on and you what are you eating for not what trying should to you be, be healthier out and yeah right like what what are you doing wrong right right i think mm-hmm. it's right and wrong right yeah. it's very moralistic yeah what are you doing wrong mm-hmm. that's not getting you those quote-unquote results right yep. and so there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. around doing the right thing the right thing, again, it's very moral, doing the right thing to care for your body. And I would say even in the church, we have just adopted, and I'm going to say, I love the church, y'all. I'm married to a pastor, okay? (laughs) 
But I believe the church has kind of just insidiously <clears throat> adopted culture's narrative mm-hmm. around food, diet, and body. And, you know, our pastors joke about this kind of thing. Our pastors, you know, make comments about this, but their perspective is often influenced by the same the same sources that are influencing us mm. more so than perhaps what I would say is, is biblical truth. So if you think about it, and this is a fascinating thing, I think, like there's nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah. Solomon told us that. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And he said that way there's back then. Three... <laughs> right, exactly. He knew. He knew. But there's, there's only three macronutrients, mm-hmm. right? There's carbohydrates, there's protein, and there's fat. Mm-hmm. And if you look back through the last hundred years or so, what happens is our cultural, like I would say, diet influencers mm-hmm. take one of those macronutrients mm-hmm. and they make that the king. Yeah. Like this is the nutrient that's going to save you mm-hmm. and give you long life and health. Mm-hmm. And then they take another macronutrient and they make it the villain. Right. And so. And they so all take their turns. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. So like thinking about my life, right? So I already disclosed my age. So in the 1980s, I was watching commercials for Special K Mm -hmm. telling me how to pinch an inch Mm -hmm. or not to pinch an inch. And if I was pinching an inch, Uh right, then what did I need to lose weight in 1987? Yes. I needed to eat Special K cereal, right? right? Now, now there's probably someone like 20 years old. Like, (laughs) like, Special K. that is, or, or that's insanity. Yeah. Like, how could you think you could eat, lose weight eating cereal, oh, all those carbs, all that sugar, <laughs> yeah. right? But, but in 1987, that's what you did to lose weight, they right? Had, and then, I remember they had yep. a tape measure around her waist on the cover. Right? Uh, it was, was it just a box, like, like slimmed in, like, and or wasn't that I, how it was? I think it was the optical illusion of yeah. the tape measure yes. is what made it look the, that way. Yeah. yeah. And then in 19, in the early 1990s, when I was in college, I lived on plain bagels with turkey and fat-free frozen yogurt mm-hmm. and maybe plain pasta with tomato sauce, right? Because fat was what yeah. made you fat, mm-hmm. right? So we ate plain carbs, but you know, that's when spray butter was invented, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like you didn't like you didn't touch oils or butters or anything yeah. with mm-hmm. the avocado. That's a dangerous game, yeah. right? If you want to be fat, you better eat some avocado. Right. <laughs> and then and then 2000 comes and what's the king? Protein, right? We go we go paleo. Mm-hmm. And so carbs are on their way out. Fat is back on its way in and protein is king. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we are eating more protein than ever before. And then by 2018, 2017, you know, mid 20 teens, yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago, but then, eight years ago, right. Then, then comes the rise of keto, yeah. right. And so then carbs are completely out mm-hmm. proteins, losing its status a little bit. And so for me personally, I have gone from, I will not touch a piece of fat or anything with fat in it in 1992 mm-hmm. to 2012, I'm making fat bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like that's a little bit of schizophrenia. Yeah. Isn't yep. it? Mm-hmm. And so we've been on this wild ride. It's really interesting the way you just laid that all out. I know, there. isn't it? I'm like, whoa, that is so accurate. Yes. <laughs> well, and then so stay tuned. <laughs> I am. 
I am following some influencers who are starting to say, you know what, I think I've gotten it wrong on carbs. You know, it does seem like the key to longevity is carbohydrates. You know, maybe we do need to watch our fat intake and, and focus more on t- taking in good carbs. I like, I read that mm-hmm. this yeah. week and I was like, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We're going right back yeah. because and it's it makes sense because when your body is depleted of one of those mm-hmm. nutrients, what does your body want more than anything? Yeah. The nutrient it's depleted mm-hmm. of, right? So of course, everyone after being keto for a decade is craving carbs, yeah, right? And they're coming back for you, yep. yeah. <laughs> and it'll and someone's going to label it healthy, so you'll feel good about eating your biscuits again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So what kind of mindset do you think God has in mind for us when it comes to our relationship with food and our body? Yeah, I love that question, right? Because in Matthew, what does Jesus tell us? Don't be anxious about it. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about what you will eat or Mm -hmm. what you will drink, right? In Colossians, we're told it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, Mm -hmm. right? In the New Testament, Jesus to Peter declares all foods clean, Mm -hmm. right? How many times through scripture, I identified 16 of them in my forthcoming book, but how many times through scripture does Jesus use some sort of food analogy Mm -hmm. as an analogy of being satisfied in him? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think the messages our culture are teaching... Let me try that sentence again. (laughs) I think the messages that culture is teaching us are it's wrong to be satisfied. Yeah. Right? If 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 it tastes good, you're probably doing something mm. wrong. Right. <laughs> right? Interesting. Yeah. You're probably gonna get fat. Right. But yet, if that's an analogy for our relationship with God, like it breaks down completely, right? Mm. Like if I am supposed to be like satisfied in him, like it's supposed to be sweet and taste and see that the Lord mm-hmm. is good. And my only experience with food is rice cakes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't think the Lord's. No, I do right. like, like rice I, cakes. Sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about. With nothing right? on a like plain rice cake. Rice cake? I do, oh, like, I do like the apple ones. I do. I oh, do. Apple ones. <laughs> I actually, I, they, I will give you those. They're kind of like cereals. Yes, like, yeah, I like them. The kids love them. <laughs> like so Apple I, Jacks or something. That's, yes. <laughs> Though I do really like a handful of Apple Jacks as well. <laughs> or a whole bowl. <laughs> um, okay. So you were saying um, if all you know is rice cakes, except apple ones. Yeah, well, just. I, I just so I th- your question was like, what is a biblical way to think about mm-hmm. our relationship with food, yep. right? And I think we have been so influenced by culture that food is this. Um, well, my friend Amy Carlson, she's a dietitian. I'll, I'll put it this way: Amy uses this illustration with her clients. She's been an eating disorder specialist for decades, and she has the clients. She takes a rope and she has the clients pull on one end. And she starts off holding the other end, but eventually she just lets go. And for most of us, we feel like we've been in a tug of war with food our entire lives. Mm-hmm. That would that would characterize my experience. Mine too. Right? And like, I'm just always trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. Like, and so as new information would come out, I've got to get it right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I was doing wrong. I was eating bananas. Mm-hmm. It. Bananas <laughs> were ruining my life, right? We're always trying to tweak mm-hmm. to get it just right. Like, oh, what, what, like, what's the right formula? And if I eat, we, it's another one of culture's lies, right? If I eat in this exact perfect way, then my body is going to look like the woman whose body is on the cover of a magazine, mm-hmm. right? Which 
like that's not promised anywhere. And like, you know, in our, I think in our rational minds, we know that the woman who's on the cover of the magazine, first of all, is probably in some sort of eating disorder, probably not eating enough. Mm -hmm. But secondly, she's also airbrushed. Right. (laughs) Right? That too. So like, wait, intellectually, we know that. Yeah. Right. But I think this, this, this belief that's that's thrown at us from every marketer is that if you can just unlock the formula to perfect eating, mm-hmm. that will be what your body size is. That mm-hmm. will be what your body looks yep. like. That's the evidence that you, my friend, have uncovered all of the secrets of eating just right. Yeah. And right. it's just not true. And so biblically, I think we have to separate what, what our relationship with food is is from what culture tells us our relationship with Mm -hmm. food needs to be. And so back to Amy's rope illustration, Amy lets go of the rope because she tells her clients the food isn't pulling back. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not a tug of war. Mm -hmm. Food, food's just a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, and, and for those of us who have been on diets for decades, like I was, right. Food consumes a lot of mental space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's there's, there's the side of my disordered eating, you know, because you observe it, Mm -hmm. but there's a side of my disordered eating that you don't know because it's this constant conversation in my head 24 seven. And for me personally, as a Christian, I was convicted of this reality Mm -hmm. that my food rules had become my righteousness. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. My holiness had become how well I was doing at keeping my own rules. Mm. And I would go to bed at night, y'all. And I would lay in bed and I would think about my food sins. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, not that I confess them to anyone, right. <laughs> but may, although I don't know, I know lots of women that confess to their husband, like, oh, wait, this, today. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been at restaurants and heard the woman beside me telling her boyfriend, like, this is everything I ate today. And I'm thinking that's such boring conversation. Yeah. Aren't we more interesting? Yeah. Than that? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I remember laying in my bed at night thinking about all of my food sins. Yep. I did that too. But rarely thinking about the ways that I hurt God. Mm-hmm right? The mm. ways that I actually sinned because mm-hmm. those food yeah. sins weren't actually sins. Right. I was just breaking my own rules. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, so if you think, so there's a, a famous quote by Sir Thomas Chalmers and he says, what you think about in your solitude is your religion. Mm-hmm. And what That's I thought good. about yeah. in my solitude was my body yep. and food. Yep. And that was mm-hmm. my religion. Yep. That's what I worshiped. That's what I loved. Yep. And wow. I became a Christian in elementary school. I went to Christian schools, Christian mm-hmm. college. I knew I was fearfully, wonderfully made. I knew God looked at my heart. But what I loved right. was 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 this whole infrastructure of health and fitness mm-hmm. that promised me, really promised me a type of salvation that wasn't God's salvation. Right. I totally understand that. And it's funny because my sister, I really don't think she's ever dealt with any sort of disordered eating. Mm -hmm. Um, She really, I mean, it has not been an issue for her. And so when I first started, she started asking questions to understand why I was so consumed with food all the time. And I didn't know at the time that I had disordered Mm -hmm. eating. Like I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, just always trying to explain to her, if I just do this, then all will be well. If I just do this, then all will be well. Then I will have like peace in my life. And she was like, I think you have a problem, like a big problem, <laughs> like an eating disorder problem. And I was like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. And then I started Googling and I was like, oh my gosh, I do. And so it's interesting because we probably have people who are listening who are like, I don't think I fall in that category, but I would have said that of myself, that I don't fall in that category. Yeah. And she did for a couple of years, you guys, like this was, I, I didn't say it straight up until the, till we got to the point where she was admitting it. This is where, if you've listened to our podcast about, we don't always say everything on our mind. There was some things I would say and some things I wouldn't, but I was worried about her for a long time because she was crazy skinny. 
and always trying to look better. And I was like, and she could name off every mm-hmm. food she could eat, have had eaten all week. And I was like, I don't even remember what I had for yeah. breakfast. Like that's and I had weird. so many like, food and I don't mean rules. Weird, like, so many food to rules keep and- myself in check. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. we probably have a lot of women listening who are like, oh, I totally know that I'm a disordered eater. And we probably have women listening who are like, I don't really know what that is or if that's me. But hearing you say, Heather, like I what I thought about was my religion, what I thought about constantly. And if food yeah. is consuming so much of our mindset throughout the day, there's probably an issue with disordered eating. And Absolutely. I mean, I that was me 100%. That's all I thought about all day long. And like I am now working on fueling my body the way it actually wants to be fueled. And I'm like, oh, I probably need to eat again because if I don't, then I'm not going to feel like energized for this. And it's like it's not – I mean, it's it's healthy. It, for me, it's been healthy because I would rather think about what I should be eating versus like what I shouldn't be eating. I'd rather focus on the right. things I should right. be putting in my body versus the things I shouldn't. And – it is changing my mindset mm-hmm. to not think about the things I'm not eating, but just like it would be like I have worked out a few times um, in the last two weeks and forgotten to eat like my bagel and cream cheese before I went. And I could not believe the difference in my energy level. I was like, I got to eat that bagel and cream cheese before every workout. I just can't hang without it. And it's like, I didn't used to eat bagels and cream cheese. That was like a big no no. <laughs> like, right. And now right. I'm like, my body needs that or else I don't have the energy yeah. to make it through this workout. And and I had no idea that I still had all this like disordered eating thoughts that would creep up. And it's like I didn't even know it until I started fueling my body for the purpose of fueling right. my body and not just like trying to eat yeah. bare minimum. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so I would characterize my experience as trying not to eat. Right. Like that was kind of my life's motto, mm-hmm. trying not to eat. And so when intermittent fasting became popular, and 2015 mm-hmm. or so, um, that like kind of further fueled what I was already doing, mm-hmm. which was trying not mm-hmm. to eat, like see how long yeah. I could go. Yeah. And I could normally make it yeah. to like 11, 1130, mm-hmm. 12 o'clock, you know, and I would write it off as like, oh, I'm just not a breakfast person. Mm-hmm. I'm just not hungry in the morning. Like I've, I've heard all those lines, but I had just trained my body not to eat then. Mm-hmm. But then right. listen, so y'all, what would happen for me is I would at 1130 start eating and I would eat for like an hour straight, mm-hmm. right? Like I would just like eat something and then go eat something. Something else mm-hmm. and then go eat something else and go eat, which worked perfectly with intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. But what would happen to me was by about two o'clock, I would have to take a nap almost every single day. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, mm-hmm. I am doing the like, you know, the food testing and seeing what I'm sensitive to. And I am attributing my daily nap mm-hmm. to like, oh, I ate something I'm sensitive sure. to. And this is an allergic right. reaction. And like, I, I had all the reasons and explanations for it. But now that I'm eating regularly and understand this more, my blood sugar was crashing mm-hmm. because I yeah. had taken it so low and then spiked it and it was crashing. And I had no choice but to just fall mm-hmm. dead asleep for 30 minutes mm-hmm. every day. And so my lack of eating cost me 30 minutes every yeah. single mm-hmm. day. Not that there's anything wrong with no. napping. I love napping. I think it's a great way to but care you for yourself. But don't choose it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it. I didn't have to have it. I thought I had to have it, but all I needed to do was eat. Yeah. Apparently your body mm-hmm. needs fuel. Right. <laughs> so well, go figure. It's crazy because it's when like I car. started fueling my body the way that it wanted to be, all of a sudden my brain fog was like totally different. And I was like, wait, I don't feel as fuzz- fuzzy. No, I still struggle with it because I'm a mom of so many kids and that's real life. Mm-hmm. But I can attribute like, did I eat enough 
yesterday to how does my mind feel today? Not just my body, but my mind. And I had like a trainer that I worked with for like two months and we didn't do any like physical stuff. We just talked about food. And this was like a year ago. And full disclosure, I gained like 10 pounds with him because (laughs) because he was like, you need to start eating. You have to eat. Well, I started eating more. and, And he was like, when he would look at what I was eating, he'd be like, how do you feel today? And I was like, I'm fine. This is how I always feel. And he's like, you didn't eat enough yesterday. You didn't eat enough protein. Like, you mm-hmm. And I was like, that was the first time it even occurred to me that what I ate yesterday could affect how I felt today. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that is not rocket science. Why did I not know that? And or my yeah. mental clarity. And well, I think, I think we should all be angry, quite honestly. Right. Because we've kind of like, so just thinking about the intermittent fasting thing, like when I was a kid, breakfast was the most important meal of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but the enemy has seeped in there and lied to us. And so we've got a lot of women, you know, trying to wait till noon to eat every yeah. day so they can have their ideal body and it will work. They will lose weight on intermittent fasting mm-hmm. for about two mm-hmm. to three years. But the, the failure rate on diets, and this has been proven again and again in studies, is diets have a 95% failure rate up into five years. Most people gain back all the weight plus some mm-hmm. after two years, but af- mm-hmm. up to five years, you're going to gain it all back unless you are a unicorn, one of the 5%. And mm-hmm. I would say that mm-hmm. it's not really a unicorn. It's a person with an eating disorder because mm-hmm. every eating disorder starts with a diet. Mm-hmm. So if you do really great at your diet and then like me become like just super excellent at your That's diet, mm-hmm. you can develop an eating disorder mm-hmm. and yeah. you can be one of those 5% of people that maintains their weight loss. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. we should be angry that we have like I, you know, we do all this in the name of health, mm-hmm. but is it healthy? Mm-hmm. Like, is this is is all this restriction, like all this? I mean, candidly, exercise is another thing. You know, we have over exercised our mm-hmm. way into some health issues. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, we need to be more more active, mm-hmm. and yeah, we are sedentary. So all the things, right? But like this hard cardio for hours at a time. Like yeah. that's an it causes a stress response. Yeah, mm-hmm. for most of us, right? Like it actually yeah. makes our stressful lives more stressful. Right. Well, I have just really been kind of advised in the last like six months how important not just a rest day a week from exercise because I love to exercise, but for a lot of people even too. And it doesn't mean you can't go for a bike ride or walk. It's not like you can't move your body, but like. You actually right. need you. You will, we stress our bodies out when we do too much. But for me, I associated for so long. Well, if I don't work out today, then I have to eat less than yesterday, and I could barely make it on the little I ate yesterday. So I have to burn three, mm-hmm. four hundred calories so I can eat three hundred, four cal, three or four hundred calories more. And I'm like, my relationship with exercise in this last year has like totally changed. My relationship with food has totally changed. And I still have a long ways to go. But I mean, it's like night and day difference. And I'm like, I never think about how many calories I'm burning. I'm thinking about how hard was the workout? How much did I enjoy it? Is that something that I'm happy I did? You know, like, and did I, do I feel strong? Things like that. And, and I'm gonna enjoy, you know, I often have more energy when I work out, but it's so true. Like our relationships are just kind of messed up from I mean, and I know I was a part of a company and I was a fitness coach and I know that I was part of the problem because I bought into Mm -hmm. it and it was eat healthy, work out. Like there's nothing wrong with that. That is good. But almost everybody I know who was on my team ended up with disordered eating and, you know, too skinny and things like that. And 
you know, for me, when I started feeding my body differently and I gained that weight, I was like, well, something's wrong. I'm going in the wrong direction. But the truth is, is that left to its own devices, my body really does like a little bit more fat on it. Like it does. Like I had to work so hard to be thinner than I, you know, am or, you know, was even a year ago. And it's like, well, then maybe that's not the way God designed my body to be. Like right. maybe this is my happy resting weight. And instead of fighting it, I'm like, maybe I should just learn to embrace that. And I have, and I'm, you know, proud of that work, but man, it, I mean, it's like, I didn't even know I had a problem for years and years and years. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably in that same boat. Right. It, it's a false gospel. Yeah. Right. I, I like to call it the it's the uh, biggest loser definition of salvation or the false, false mm-hmm. gospel of weight loss. But if you watch a show mm-hmm. like The Biggest Loser, you see the contestants in a hell. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they can't move in their bodies and they can't wear cute clothes. Right. They're in hell. And then they go to the ranch and they meet the trainers who are their saviors mm-hmm. who take mm-hmm. them from hell. And then at the end of the show, at the end of the season, they're wearing cute clothes and running marathons, the American dream, mm-hmm. and then they're in heaven. So it's a gospel message. It's a message of hope. Mm-hmm. It's a message mm-hmm. of redemption. It's I a message it, yeah. of promise. Right. And, and so it's appealing, right? Because we were created with a hole in our heart mm-hmm. for something more. We want that hope. We want that transformation. We know we long to be transformed, mm-hmm. but it's the wrong kind of transformation, right? right? It doesn't, right. it doesn't last and it doesn't satisfy. I mean, I met my goal weight. I work with clients every day who, who reached the weight and it wasn't enough. Right. And mm-hmm. they either got on track to like, well, just five more pounds, right. just five more pounds, no, totally you know, or, or, or went back to addictions of some sort, mm-hmm. right? Went back to the alcohol, mm-hmm. went, went back to something else yep. because what was supposed to save them couldn't save them. Right. And it, yeah. was, mm-hmm. and it was too difficult to cope with. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. true. I love that. Um, just looking at it, like you're saying from hell to heaven, like that there's a gospel, but it's not a satisfying mm-hmm. one. So we have mm-hmm. to wrap this up, but I just want, if you can spend like two minutes kind of touching on what is the healthier way to live? Like, how can we be healthier in our food and in our mindset? Like, I know you can't say it in two minutes, but like, and honestly, I know you can't, but like, if you could just leave our listeners with like one last kind of yeah. jumping off point, like where to go from here, we all call it our challenge. Every week we give people a challenge, but like, yeah. what would be your challenge to our listeners or like thought, ending thought? Yeah. Okay. Well, so maybe the simplest thing is to think about the reality that sugar is not the number one cause of disease stress is. So if you're Mm -hmm. stressing about what Mm -hmm. you're eating, if you're stressing about exercise, right, you Mm -hmm. are actually doing things that are unhealthy Mm -hmm. for your body, Mm -hmm. right? So it's much better. And in fact, I mean, there's all kinds of studies showing that like the way you think about your food actually affects your digestion and your Mm -hmm. nutrient absorption, right? So so if you think that you're eating something that is good for your body, your body treats it as good and your body digests it correctly and absorbs the nutrients. If you don't think it's good for your body, if you think it's unhealthy, then you have a stress response in your digestive system. You don't get the nutrients you need from it, right? Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do in your relationship with food and exercise is to work on your mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's to, Mm -hmm. to calm it down to lose the lies of culture, to recognize that you've been on a Ferris wheel going round and round, Mm -hmm. right? And it's never going to stop because they're going to keep selling you, right? These companies, it's a 
$76 billion industry, oh the gosh. diet industry is, right? I don't think you can meet someone on the street who would honestly be like, I have no idea like how to eat healthy or exercise, right? We all know mm-hmm. what that means, quote unquote, culturally in, in the time yep. when that question is asked. Yeah. And yet, are we healthier? Right. Are we healthier? I, I don't think so. I, I think we have to decide to get off the Ferris wheel and go back to basics, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Like, should we be afraid of, afraid of bread? Right. Right. <laughs> right? Like, I know, oh, well, it's not made of the same ingredients. Yeah, yeah. Jesus knew what it was going to yeah. be like in 2023. Mm-hmm. And he still chose yeah. to use that analogy. Yeah. So yeah, change yeah. your mindset. And I think that is the first, and just losing the restriction mindset as well, right. the first step to intuitive eating, yeah. right? But, yeah. but change change the way you think about food, yeah. your body mm-hmm. and exercise. And, and that will lead to health. Start the habits. process, do the work. Yeah. What were you going to say, Miss? Yeah. yeah. And something that goes along with that for me, if I have, I haven't had disordered eating, I haven't even really ever done diets, but I have thought about food and I, you know, especially the last like five years, my body has changed a lot and I've been, I really want to know how I can be healthier from the inside out. Like I want to have more energy, things like that. And, um, and something that I've had to remove from my thought process with changing your mindset is I can't, I, is not to use, I can't mm-hmm. do this or eat this, or I have mm-hmm. to do this or eat this. Cause once it becomes a, like, like a right mm-hmm. or wrong, I just, moral moving yeah. the right or wrong and being like I want to work out today like mm-hmm. I really do or I I just, I just don't want to eat that cake because I really don't like cake like that's okay but like it's not it's not because I can't right. eat cake or whatever I so. never met a cake I didn't want to eat <laughs> <laughs> my sister also doesn't like pie which is so weird to me I'm like what oh my gosh give me all the pie and all the cake <laughs> so okay well Heather thank you so much for being on um yes. so you're I'm assuming your website is compared to who.com Actually, it's improvedbodyimage.com, oh. but you can get there through compared to who.me. Dot me. Oh, that's right. I had yeah. been on your website compared to who.me or what was the other one? Yeah. Improved. Improvedbodyimage.com. Okay. And your books and podcasts and everything is on there. Yeah. Compared to Who uh, is my first book, and I've changed a lot since then, so I always like to give that disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really talk about – I couldn't think about food then. I was only thinking about my body sure. image. But yeah, I've got I've got another book called The Burden of Better, which is a book on how to le- lead a comparison-free life. And then I've got a brand new book coming out with Bethany House December 12th uh, called The 40-Day Body Image Workbook. Oh, that's going to be so good. And then a so book good. on aging coming out next April, a 30-day devotional on aging. And yeah, I've got like four or five devotionals on um, version okay. now that are all free. Awesome. Oh, awesome. thank wow. you so much. I really appreciate this. Well, you guys, thanks for joining us. We would love to yes. hear from you. If you're like, hey, what was her website again? Just message us. We'll connect you. She's definitely on, in- you're on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. I said she's I definitely on Instagram. You. I'm like, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how, that's how we connected. <laughs> oh, that's how we connected because I tagged you in one and then you responded and I was like, I'll ask her. Like, <laughs> She actually messaged me back. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. So, all right, you guys, thank you so much. And Heather, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye, guys. You might feel that your life is a mess, but don't feel bad. Ours is too, but we own a microphone and we have no shame. That's why we'll talk about how our life is a mess nonetheless. That's the name of our podcast.